young Parisians are so French. They love Patty Smith. Young Parisians are so French at the Champs Elysees. <laughs> Atlantic nitpicking about Doctor Who. From four grown adults who should probably know better. From four grown adults who are stuck in lockdown. We're not afraid to say it like it is. Or the word bollocks. www.dirtyhoers.com Follow us on Facebook at Dirty Hooers. If you like that kind of thing. We're also on Twitter. Deal with it. Geronimo! Fantastic. L on C. Cock. With your hosts. Number one assistant, Terry Lightfoot. Oolong, Sputter Sputnik. Tardis Kitty, Miss Cubby. Lord President, Sen. Greetings, folks. Life is busy, but here we are again, more sporadic rambling about the mostly classic Doctor Who. This time we're going back to the latter part of September 1979 and the season 17 fucking banger, City of Death. Notoriously a top 10 fan classic. It came after Destiny of the Daleks and before Creature from the Pit. And the final episode has the dubious distinction to be the single most watched episode of Doctor Who at broadcast ever in part due to the strike that took ITV off the air on that particular Saturday. This is Big Tom at his peak, skipping around the streets of Paris on his weekend jolly with, to paraphrase the Bard and Julius Caesar, the noblest Romana of them all. Not Brutus, but Lala Ward. Four episodes of 25 Minutes of Pop, written in a week by the late fucking amazingly great Douglas Adams, David Fisher and Graham Williams, titled by way of fake shemp for BBC payment and probably union reasons as David Agnew. Script editor Douglas Adams around the time he was penning Hitchhiker's Guide. Directed by Michael Hayes, who also did the much underrated Androids of Tara and the critically average Armageddon Factor. Produced as everything was around them by Graham Williams with cameos from John Cleese to Eleanor Braun and performances from luminaries like Julian Glover, who was also Richard Lionheart in The Crusade and the lovely Catherine Schell, Kevin Flood, Tom Chabon. Also, should you recognise him from the first part of Trial of the Time Lord? as the irrepressible Duggan, arguably the greatest companion who never was. We will no doubt discuss this at length. Spoilers ahead, folks, but if you haven't watched a top 10 episode that came out 40-odd years ago, you probably need to have a fucking word with yourself. Sen, would you be so good as to explain our rating system? When we review episodes, we rate them as if they were a 70s prostitute or gigolo, whatever you fancy. And we begin at the bottom of the ladder with a free BJ, moving on to $5 or $10, $20, and the Congressman Special $50, with tips and gifts anywhere in between as deemed appropriate. Thank you very much, my friend. I love this, so I'm going for 50. No tip. 
but a 50. Flat 20. I'll give this a 50 with some kind of tip. <laughs> some kind of tip? Damned <laughs> by fake praise. <laughs> okay, I'm thinking 50 with a shagging trip to a major European city and a bottle or two of house red on me. She is, <laughs> after all, a very beautiful woman. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Well, I thought this was just lovely. I enjoyed all of it, really, from the confusing opening with the flying spaghetti monster. And it's one of those openings that Doctor Who loves, where it takes us to an intriguing location and then takes us somewhere entirely different, also intriguing, that serves to make us forget about our initial experience until mm-hmm. it is foisted on us again much later. And this was foisted on us wonderfully. I thought the count was incredibly enjoyable. I love the costume, cream suit, black shirt and a matching cravat and pocket square, pure class. Perfectly quaffed, probably beautiful lady friend with a lengthy cigarette holder, also pure class. Loved it. There was quite a lot of the Doctor and Romana crossing roads in the early episodes, especially. We <laughs> did feel we could have done without. Yes, it is actually Paris and yes, we did pay the money to come here. Look. It had that kind of running down corridors feeling to me, but part one was genius. Paris is like that, though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I loved the old face rip-off move, and it really had me going for part two. And the cliffhanger at the end of part two was similarly compelling, actually. Obviously, Duggan's acting was appalling. Oh, come on, Duggan. <laughs> it Duggan. felt like okay. he was going for comedy, but kind of missed the mark, rather. And all those grotesque yeah. facial expressions kind of put me off. But the Count's acting, on the other hand, was exemplary. Unlike Duggan, he took it very seriously. And I thought he actually made a decent fist of the whole split Jaggeroth thing when he was experiencing that, the, the centuries, centuries that, that divide, divide me shall be undone he could have gurned and played it for laughs as well but he didn't and it worked beautifully i liked kerensky a bit of a stock character you know scientist who thinks he's working for the greater good but has been cruelly deceived how many times have we seen it many a time and oft that said he was great and i enjoyed him a lot with his accent and his naivete and his obsession with chickens I was sad when he was murdered at the end of part three, but it did feel pretty much inevitable. So I can't say I was really that sad. Romana, got to love Romana, haven't you? She was well used in this episode. <laughs> Especially between takes like Tom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Consistent, Same. clever and funny and brave, which was brilliant. And I enjoyed the sense of like resigned ennui that she adopted when she was forced into babysitting Duggan. It made me lol. And they yeah. were bizarrely well as a partnership, I feel. Yeah. I loved the characters. I loved the costumes. I loved most of the acting. No, I thought it was just utterly charming. So that's me. Well, I agree with everything that was good. Tabby gave a 50, but pointed out the same faults that I saw. Just for me, you know, we're supposed to rate against others of that era. And with those faults, I can't give this a 50. It's no deadly assassin or genesis of the Daleks. It is a properly fun romp, and it is quality science fiction, but it's not airtight. There's plenty of little things wrong with it. I adore Romana II and the Doctor's rapport. And, you know, mm-hmm. the fact that it was genuine, you know, I mean, that they didn't have to act it. It comes through on screen. And 
as far as I'm aware, that's the only time we've had an on-screen romance during filming with the yeah. lead. During filming. I mean, the doctor's okay. daughter happened very closely yeah. thereafter. And I think that the fact that it happened with a character that was another Time Lord was absolutely perfect. They're comrades. They're equals. And it showed. Tabby hit on something that was pretty <laughs> fascinating to me. How well Romana ended up working with Duncan. Mm. And I look at that and go, God, Romana would have made a brilliant spin-off show. For, for Romana, though, it was rather like having a pet, wasn't it? Yes, which is, <laughs> yeah. which is how I always kind of thought it should be. The Time Lords are so far elevated above us biologically, technologically, in every way. The way she reacted to humans, that always seemed to work for me better. She's, she's like a bit compassionate. <laughs> Like, oh, oh, she is. She is absolutely <laughs> compassionate. Yes, the pat on the head, like, "Oh, you poor things, just don't understand. Let me help." You know, yeah. I, I adore it. It's so Time Lord. It's so Gallifrey. You know, and, and those moments are what we based over a decade of role play on, right? I mean, yeah. though, you know, I would imagine there's a fair amount of role play in this, probably involving schoolgirl outfits. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. Okay, so the things that I didn't really like the running around was brilliant at the beginning you know the the establishing shots were gorgeous those long distance shots that almost looked like they were drone shots in a modern day tv show they were just wonderfully done but they were overused overall I think it split up the flow and the action too much. Like, ooh, we haven't shown Paris in seven minutes. We have to do one of those now. I actually thought that the set for Primordial Earth was pretty decent compared to some yep. of the other outdoors. But <laughs> bookending it with real on-location shots ruined it. They should have avoided the location, uh, all of the running around outdoor shots so close to the quote-unquote outdoor set shots because the lighting was different the picture quality was different and it just stuck out like a sore thumb you didn't notice that back in the day mate you were watching it on telly yeah. on a shit aspect ratio on a shit telly at your grand's house you really didn't notice fine it still hit me you know it yeah, it, yeah. i thought the action was broken up i just didn't like the <laughs> douglas adams season as far as tone goes Oh, you fucking... I never, <laughs> I never think he didn't find the balance between serious and humor. And I think this episode is the perfect example of that. We have a really well-written villain whose actor played it straight with some upper-class humor. He played it as serious situations that occasionally had humor, and it was brilliant. And yet you had these supporting characters that were just over-the-top comedic, and when they interacted, it didn't work work and you had Ramana who was always very you know serious and dramatic and Tom Baker who was falling over chairs because he was probably loaded during filming and thought it'd be cute to put that in the character there wasn't a consistent tone from scene to scene it went from comedic to dramatic and then when those characters interacted the interactions didn't seem genuine and that for me sums up the season like make it comedic or don't but there was never consistent tone. Maybe Destiny of the Daleks. That was pretty consistent. But the rest of the season was all over the fucking map. But again, perhaps that's something indicative of watching it in whole box sets. Uh, I didn't uh, like this era when I was 10. And I started watching early Tom Baker and stopped watching Doctor Who on PBS when it came to late Tom Baker. This put me off when I was a kid. I've never liked it. And when they went back and reset and went Trout and Pertwee is when I really got hooked. 
Horns of Nyman is what finally oh. put me off. For me, when Tom Baker was at his brilliant was when he was in a seriously dramatic script and he interjected humor into tense scenes. When you take Genesis of the Daleks and Deadly Assassin, it was perfection of tone on screen. And this just didn't hit it for me. But like I said, I mean, it was great to sit and watch. I had a blast watching it. It was absolutely TV that was worth it in every way. But it had faults, and it had the same fault as the whole season for me. And I worship Douglas Adams. I absolutely adore his purely comedic work. There was enough strong things going on for me to call this a 20 because it was just a blast but structurally it had a lot of flaws for me i was determined not to agree with your point of view until you've finished the whole thing and now i'm kind of like oh he's kind of right but you know i still don't feel like i i understand your point of view but i really don't have that big of a problem okay so yeah you know sure i don't have a huge problem with it even though i do see your point it's still incredibly enjoyable to me enough that i would give it a 50 with the tip I really enjoyed the story. I didn't like Duggan very much, although I understood the position of his character, the creation of his character, what he should be doing in the story. I just felt that he didn't carry it off very well. He was like too much. Like someone who's not used to playing subtle comedy. All the little details, there was like a beautiful little, what is it called? Film noir theme song. Every time that lady is on the screen, (laughs) that made me laugh so much. Her long cigarette holder (laughs) was hilarious. That was so funny. She she just kept puffing away at it. And after a while, I was like, okay, you're, you're doing it too much. It's getting distracting. I enjoyed Tom Baker's performance. You know, yes, uh, Sen's point, well taken. But he plays this character, this lighter doctor, just as well. And I didn't have a problem in the story in general for it not being more serious. I enjoyed the lightness of it in the way that I enjoy most Douglas Adams stories. I didn't have a problem with the serious interwoven with the humor. The scientist, I found a little bit too stupid for a scientist. Maybe he had an ethics problem or something. Because, like, if you can't see that that's going to be used for harm, you're an idiot. All the characters were really good. I I loved all the fun little plot twists. I mean, because it just kept popping along. You don't get bored. And even the dialogue was so humorous. It popped and sparkled and was real quick. Uh, I just really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought the name of the aliens were everything ending in off. Kind of funny. (laughs) Yeah. That makes it a whole culture. The fact that all the bad guys, every thug, had a black hat. I was just like, okay, come on. Green linen suit, though, was lovely, wasn't it? Seriously. Beautiful. I just loved that they took the characters seriously, as uh, Tabby pointed out. You have to do that when there's that kind of uh, humor going around. They have to ground it. I really loved that. And I loved, you know, the doctor whipping out that magic marker. Yeah, like he had (laughs) thought ahead. He was like... I'm just going to pick up this pen. It'll come in useful. So it was fun. It was fun that they mixed Da Vinci's studio into this. I love it when they go back and forth in time like that. It's nice when it's not overused in a story. You're in the future. You're here. You're there. It's entertaining. And that's pretty much it. It's just very enjoyable. Very enjoyable. <laughs> It's almost quaint in the way it pulls itself together with so many little bits. You guys have already said so much about this episode, and there's so much to say that is good about this one. I loved this one when it was on telly. I guess I was the right age for it, but I think a lot of people didn't, and it's sort of 
grown on the fan base. I remember one of my mates at school, hello to Michael Fernley, if he's listening, he was the other kid at school that was obsessed with Doctor Who, saying that it was silly and not proper Who, just like Sended to some degree. Yeah. 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 But I liked it. I was 12, you know? Yeah. 12, it's yeah. when you draw cocks on things when you're, when you're a lad. <laughs> like Star Wars figures, do you know what I mean? It's, it was perfect. It, it really caught me at the right time. And I usually like my Who pretty straight. I, you know, I'm a massive Pertwee fan, as you know, and I loved it when it was on. But I think this just got me at that careening into spots and puberty sort of time, just a little bit lighter. I love this era here, and I love it some Douglas Adams. I have so many Douglas Adams stories, it's ridiculous. It's going to be a problem at the end of this, doing our favourite quotes, which I think is a problem with Douglas Adams' era overall, because the dialogue is just so fucking good around this time mm. i'm sorry but this is a brilliant story and it's sort of woven across time as it is but has a fun and sort of frivolous streak that's just a mile wide i don't know maybe this would annoy me with other doctors and companions and i remember it being a standout at the time but now it just comes off the I don't know, the Doctor and Romana are just the most fucking intelligent creatures in the room and they can afford to crack jokes and mess about because, frankly, everybody else isn't as clever as them and they've already got this and they're on fucking holiday. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the relationship is just gold. And while a lot of the dialogue is unmistakably, as you say, Douglas Adams, some of this is down to Tom and Lala making stuff up. I mean, they did a lot of ad-libs in this, believe it or not, probably while lying on their backs post-fucking coitus tied oh, up with a scarf <laughs> while wearing oh, a schoolgirl outfit sloshed on the local vino in a Parisian hotel. But regardless, <laughs> that does make for a chemistry that, honestly, and I have said this before, the Doctor doesn't get with another companion until yeah. probably knows, or as a push ace, or maybe even Grace. Just a quick one on the Centrinian's outfit while I mention it. That was apparently Lala Ward's idea as a nod to making the character more accessible to young girls and to help them feel more comfortable about the compulsory school uniforms of the time. I'm not sure that fucking worked, but that was allegedly (laughs) the plan, which does make a a bit of a problem wank in this episode, to be fair. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I love the way this uses time, but without time travel, it does it in a sort of non-traditional way with all the splintered aspects of Sakharov scattered throughout history and going back to the primordial soup and to Leonardo's study, who isn't there and doesn't need to be. I love that he's just not there. I love that he's just not in. Yeah. For some reason, that tickled me. That's great. He's not in. Oh, fuck. It's glorious stuff. And it actually has a wibbly, wobbly, one-eyed green alien an exploding mm. spaceship. Oh, fucking weapons great. I love all the Paris shots, which was just a long weekend in Paris to get the shots, and everything else was filmed in the studios, presumably at Shepherd's Bush. I feel it's just so much more expansive than it actually was because of that, because of literally a weekend away in Paris. Yeah, it's filler. Yeah, it's the run up and down corridors. Yeah, it's classic Doctor Who, you know? This was especially good as it started out as a different story by Fisher, all about a space casino. And with the power of coffee and scotch, it was rewritten by Adams and Williams while David Fisher was literally dividing up his furniture and pets that weekend in a messy divorce. It's credited as David Agnew because you can't be paid by the Beeb for doing two jobs in one production or something convoluted like that. This has so many good scenes. The Jaggeroth spaceship on the Devonian landscape is the 
pinnacle of output of the BBC Special Effects Department all the time. It's on the cover of a special effects how-to guide I own from my film school days. My film school days were a good decade and a half after this. The whole idea of the Mona Lisa, this is a fake in the art gallery using John Cleese and Eleanor Braun, who were dragged in by Douglas Adams, by the way, because they were filming in the studio next door. It's just so 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 quaint, as I say, I guess. Well, Douglas Adams was Monty Python. Uh, he wrote a lot of Python stuff, and he and Cleese were like old comrades in comedy arms. So I guess it was just mm, one. Yeah. I did not know that he wrote for Monty Python because I always associated the two in my head like, oh, he is so like Monty Python humor. It must be a British thing. Now it all makes sense. Well, around this time, I was helping put together the school bookshop. In the school library, we started a bookshop, and I helped my school teacher, Miss Jackson, carry all the boxes up and set up the shelves and stuff like that. And when we'd done, she yeah. said, I've got a present for you. Have you ever read this? And she gave me a first edition, which I still own, of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And I had never read it. She said, you will love that. And that book probably is the closest book that's ever changed my life it's certainly changed my way of looking at the world and my sense of humor i'm I'm not a massive douglas adams fanboy by any stretch of the imagination some of his stuff's a bit shit like pirate planet is a bit shit come on let's face it it's fun but it's a bit shit and there's other stuff as well but hitchhikers and his way of looking at the world just that little sideways slant of looking at the world that that changed my way of thinking i vaguely remember they picked tom chabon to play Duggan because he looked a bit like Tintin, which is just fucking perfect if it's true, because he does. My Uncle John, probably shouldn't say his name, my Uncle John was a detective inspector in Liverpool in the 70s, and he used to wear exactly the same fucking coat. I'm pretty (laughs) sure he was all for punching criminals as well. In fact, I fucking know he was. We got broken into, and my Uncle John turned up with the guy who broke into us with another officer so that they could hold his arms while my dad punched the guy in the stomach. Oh my (laughs) it's so wrong wrong, but that's the 1970s copper mentality and that's duggan's mentality and i I buy into that duggan's just marvelous and very much of his time he did travel in the tardis so he is one of those unrecognized one episode companions and quite frankly one of the best with his do you know what? With the Harry Sullivan overcoat and a fresh head sculpt on a different colour James Lester Prime Evil figure, character options could easily knock out a one-off update to the City of Death Collector set. Ideally, chuck in a schoolgirl Romana. It'll never happen, but I can dream. There's no schoolgirl Romana? We've had two Romanas and they only came out last year. We've got no Tegan, no Nissa, no Adric. There's a whole chunk. Oh. We have, I know, we've got Ian, we've got no Susan, we've got no Barbara. Don't even fucking get me started. That's a whole episode. Uh, anyway, yeah. So anyway, I do own this one, but it's packed in a box in the depths of a garage back in Ireland somewhere, and I'm all over the bloody place right now. So this was a Brit box watch for me this time, and it's still fantastic. If I remember rightly, I bought it for under five a second hand, and it's remastered with loads of special features, which is how I know all this bollocks. I've watched the special features a few times, like Paris and studio docos, and there's a thing on prehistoric landscapes. Well worth adding to the shelf, and always well worth a rewatch. I think. Yeah, fifty dollars, some local table wine, and. An easy jet trip to somewhere the government isn't pumping shit into their rivers or careening towards casual fascism. Yeah. Shall we find out what we're going to do next? Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's cross those fingers, slip the dealer a glad eye or a tenor, and spin the wheel of who. I always find that Violent exercise makes me hungry. Don't you agree? The Sea Devils. No. Okay. Another classic. 
All right, love me some Pertwing. First episode of Who I Remember. Oh, really? One. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I remember a boat pulling up into popper. a beach. Yeah, it's my cherry popper, yeah. It's my, <laughs> and I must have been four, I'm guessing. Yeah. What year was it, 72? Five. Would have been five. Oh, that's okay. a six-episoder. Wow, okay. Yeah, but it's a good one. Yeah, it is. It's a bad, bit of a baptism of fire. It's a bit dry in places, especially nowadays, but you'll, uh, you'll yeah. hopefully like that one. I'm not crazy it, about those ones. Yeah, uh, to be honest, if you've seen it, you probably don't need to watch it again. <laughs> it's one of those, isn't it? But uh, but I'll happily watch it again. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm going to have definitely. to watch it again because I don't I don't remember. Yeah, but it's going to be like another six months before we fucking all manage to be free at the same time or <laughs> oh, disease yeah. free. So my quote is a quote, and it's also a message for the much anticipated return of RTD. Well, you're a beautiful woman, probably. This is how the doctor should react to humans. Take note, <laughs> RTD. We love you. We want you back. No more yep. roses. An alien, yeah. alien. Yes, that was such an alien thing to say. Okay, quite good. That's one of the great treasures of the universe. And you say quite good? The world, Doctor, the world. What are you talking about? Not the universe in public, Doctor. I don't care. Let them gawp. Let them gape. What do I care? <laughs> nice and not the traditional quote i love it what i noticed this time around watching it was a really cute transition from one scene to the other and the professor scientist guy <laughs> he's saying but i do not understand this obsessive urgency and scarlioni says time professor it's all a matter of time and then it cuts quickly to the doctor and a different scene with Romana saying, I think there's something the matter with time. Didn't you feel anything? No, I just love that the, the dialogue was working together as part of the transition. And mm. it's beautiful. I picked out a couple, but I think I'm going to stick with something of a classic. Duggan and Romana are sat talking together and Duggan goes, you know what I don't understand? And Romana says, I expect so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when he walks into the into the cafe and he says, Patron, three glasses of water, make them doubles. <laughs> that had to have been an ad lib. It yeah. had to. And of course you have got Duggan Duggan, I think that was the most important bunch in history. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, can I just say that I finished a lovely pale ale called Moon Man? Yeah, it's fantastic. Mm. I've had to cut down on drinking since I moved to Ireland because whiskey is so cheap here. I, I was bet. that fucking close to needing an intervention. <laughs> uh, thanks again, folks, for listening and supporting us. If you like what you hear, please give us a thumbs up wherever you listen. Please drop over to social media, Facebook or Twitter or wherever. Uh, keep safe and keep watching. We have been the Dirty Hose Doctor Who podcast. Hope you are too. Goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the Dirty Hooers Doctor Who podcast. Follow us on iTunes or DirtyHooers.com. Facebook and Twitter at Dirty Hooers. See you next time. Uh, but never take more than, if it says 14 drops, don't take more than 14 drops a day. Do not take 14 drops in one go the first time you try it because oh you can whitey on CBD oil. Really? Whitey, you know, you know, when you take too much and you go, oh, I need to have a little lie down and rest my head against something cold like porcelain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I just need to lie here. I'll be fine, guys. No, don't talk to me. I'll be fine. You know what I mean?
You must have done it. Yeah, that's a good reenactment. Thank you. <laughs> With all those years at Juilliard, <laughs> finally paid off. <laughs> that's thespian thing.